I want to give you a message today. And I'm going to start in 1 Corinthians 15, 21. It says this. It says, so you see, just as death came into the world through a man, Adam. Now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given a new life. Do you believe that? You know, all over the world, people are celebrating this historic event. All around the world, they're evaluating the cross. But we're not here just to celebrate history. We're here to celebrate an experience. Because you're able to experience the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It is not just something you observe. It's something that captures your heart. It's something that brings you to life. Let's look at Romans 10, 9. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Our salvation hinges on the fact that you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. In 2 Timothy 2.11, it says that you cannot have a resurrection without a death. And you might say, what does it mean to die with him? What does it mean to be buried with him? What does it mean to rise to life? Paul said, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I, but Christ lives in me. What was Paul saying? He said, I was crucified. He wasn't there with Jesus, but it was as though he was experiencing it himself. What does it mean to die with him? It means that you're giving up your own way. It means that you're relying on Jesus to save you. It means that you're giving your life and saying, I'm tired of doing life on my own. I believe that there's a savior. His name is Jesus and I need him. Dying to yourself is saying, God, I can't do it without you. I need you. And the burial, when he went into the grave, it represents how our past is washed away. I don't know about you, but that's good news for me. That our past, our sin, this is why we get baptized. Because we believe that when we give our lives to God, that he washes away all of our sin. And that we begin to have a new life, a new nature with God. Paul said in Ephesians 1, he said, I pray that you will understand and experience the power of his resurrection. 
I don't want you to hear just a good message today or, or just see a good skit today and say, oh, that was, that was good. My prayer today is Paul's prayer today that you will ex- understand and experience power of his resurrection. How many of you know he's alive? You see, we, we gain understanding through scripture. And God, he's the best teacher. He gives us all through scripture pictures to allow us to understand the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It is the crux of scripture. That word crux actually comes from the word cross. The cross is the center of all scripture. And God is trying to get us to wake up to see our need for him, that we can die and be buried and rose again with him. And so for the next couple of minutes, I want to highlight through scripture some things that God showed us that pertains to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. See, we all have a problem. We all have a problem, and that is a sin problem. Am I right? If you say you don't have a sin problem, you're sinning because you're lying. We all have this problem called sin, and it came from Adam when he disobeyed God. You don't have to go very far to see where God's redemptive work came into action. It was when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, the Bible says that sin and the curse entered man. See, the wages of sin is death. See, sin causes you to die to your relationship with God. See, we were born to have bodies that last forever, but sin actually put our bodies back into the grave. And there's a price for sin. Isaiah said that our iniquities made us far away from God. And he hid his face from us to where we could not or he could not hear our voice. How many of you know that Jesus reversed that? God spoke to the enemy when Adam and Eve was cursed. And he said, curse is going to be the ground that you toll on. And he told the enemy, it was the first prophecy of the cross. And he told the enemy, he said, there's going to be one that you bruise or strike his heel, but he's going to crush your head. I don't know about you, but I'm excited that because Jesus rose from the dead, it crushed the enemy's head. God has a plan and a destiny where the enemy cannot touch you. Men begin to multiply, and the Bible says that men became wicked, and the whole earth was wicked, and God was, he was sorry he ever, ever even made man. But he rose up this man named Noah, and he said, Noah, you're the only righteous man here. The whole earth has turned away from me. The whole earth is trying to do it on their own. And he said, this is what I'm going to do. He says, I'm going to flood the earth. And I'm going to wipe out everything. I'm going to give you a clean start. And so Noah began to build an ark and he began to tell everybody it's about to rain. They didn't know what rain was. 
He says, it's about to rain. You better get in the ark. How many of you know that Jesus is our ark? The cross is our ark. See, to be able to get away from the judgment of God, the rain and the flood, we have to get in Jesus. That's what he did on the cross. When the rain came, we get into the ark. He's the one that protects us. Death, where is your sting? Come on, the rain, you know, it was the judgment of God. It was some fierce rain. But all you had to do is get into the ark. God flooded the earth and wiped away the world and wickedness, the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And he caused man to start over and have new life. And he gave us a rainbow as a promise. You know, the beautiful thing about a rainbow is it has seven different colors that speaks to us about the perfection of the cross and how his cross covered your sin, washed your sin, and wiped away your sin. It is promises and it is rights that you are able to access. And just like when you think God is far away, you look at the cross, just like when we see a rainbow, we say, God, I believe that you'll never flood the earth again. And the Bible says that your, your sins go as far as the east to the west. He's a good father that is compassionate and that loves you and forgives you. Sin continued to multiply. And again, humanity begins to turn away from God. God found one righteous name was Abraham. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob made the whole nation of Israel. They turned away from God and they found themselves in the hand of Pharaoh. They found themselves in the hand of slavery. How many of you know that sin will cause you to be in slavery? First you were doing sin, then that sin was doing you. See, and we can be here and we can put on our Sunday best. We can have our fake tans. We can, we can have the cloud of perfume, but there's something on the inside. You have to ask yourself, have I conquered sin or is sin conquering me? Because that's not the life and the promise that Jesus died and paid for in your life. Who the son sets free is really free. God had a genius plan. He said, okay, what I'm going to do, I'm going to raise up Moses. And I'm going to teach them about the death, burial, and resurrection. And he said, Moses, I want you to get to all the leaders and tell them you got to get a spotless lamb. You got to slay that spotless lamb and put the door, put the blood on the, the mantle. And at night, the spirit of death is going to pass by. But those with the Mark of the blood will not get touched, but everybody else, every firstborn will die. And so every leader got the blood of the lamb and put it on their doorpost and they were able to be at peace at night. Can you imagine the screams, the agony, the things that are going on around them? But they were able to have peace because they knew that the blood of the lamb was going to keep them safe. And God was showing us a picture, the death of Jesus has covered you. That sin and death and hell and the grave has been conquered. You just have to rely on the lamb. It's not what you do, it's what the lamb did. Come on, you need the blood of Jesus. You say, well, I've been doing very well. The Bible says 
that our works are like filthy rags before God. They mean nothing. He's a holy God. He's perfect. We all need the blood of Jesus to be saved. Pharaoh said, y'all got y'all to get out of here. Pharaoh got him out. So y'all got to get out of here. And they had to go across the Red Sea. Pharaoh changed his mind and said, I'm going to send all my chariots to chase after them. This is a picture of baptism for us or the burial for us. How many of you know they crossed the Red Sea? And as they crossed the Red Sea, the enemy was chasing after them. But God swallowed up their enemies through the burial of that water. And how many of you know God is swallowing up your enemies? God has brought deliverance to you. If it's immorality, God swallowed it up. Come on, if it's divorce, God swallows it up. If it's bitterness, God swallows it up. If it's pride, God swallows it up. He is able to bring deliverance to his people when we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. Tom went on, humanity still forgot about God. Still turn from God and God said, I got to show them that they need me. I got to show them a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection. And he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you some commandments. The whole nation of Israel was like, we can do it. How many of you know they couldn't? Because we can't. He gave them 10 commandments. They were like, we can do it, man. God, just give it to us and leave us alone. We got this. We can do it. So God made a plan and some rules. And how many of you know you only break rules that are given to you? <laughs> he gave them rules and they realized, I blew it. I can't do it. He said, I'm a, I need you to do something. I need you to make a temple. And in this temple is where my presence is going to dwell. He said, this is what you have to do. You have to go get a lamb. And you have to bring it to the priest in the temple. And when you put your hand on the lamb, all of your sin is going to go into the lamb and it's going to slay the lamb. Now the temple had three parts. It was the outer court, the inner court, and holy of holies that represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And they would take that blood and only the priest could go into the presence and they would have to wash off in baptism and they would have to dwell in the presence of God and they would be a mediator between God and man. They would intercede for man. How many of you know that when Jesus shed his blood and he said, it is finished, he tore the veil of the temple where we can go straight into the presence of God and feel him and know him. You were born for the presence. You weren't born to just observe. You were born for his presence. It's the presence that we have the power to overcome. Death, where is your sting? You can kill me now, but I have eternity in heaven. You cannot lose with this. I'm bought and paid for. His grace is sufficient. You knock me down, I get back up because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on. God said, I need you to understand the death, burial, and resurrection. Centuries gone by, Isaiah prophesies. He said the, the nails... In the hands of Jesus, 
paid for our rebellion and our iniquities was on him and by his stripes we were healed. David began to prophesy about Jesus. Everybody was waiting for the Messiah. Everybody was waiting for the Messiah to show up. And an angel came, comes to Mary and tells Mary, Mary, you're going to have a son. He's going to be the Savior. You're going to name him Jesus. For 30 years, he did nothing but grow in wisdom and in stature. But on that 30th year, he goes and he hears that his cousin is baptizing in the Jordan River. And he goes over and his cousin was John the Baptist. And John the Baptist got a revelation that rocked the world and the world has never been the same as he was baptizing. And he looked across the Jordan, he saw Jesus and he stopped everything that he was doing. And he said this, he said, this is the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. From that day forward, three years, Jesus started his ministries. Theologians say there are not enough books to document all the miracles that happened when Jesus was on the earth. But that's not why we believe. We don't believe because he's done miracles. We don't believe just because he rose people from the dead. We believe because he rose from the dead. We believe because they could not put him in the grave and you have to know today that he did die and he was buried and he did rise again he said I came to show you the father I came to show you the love of the father he said I am the resurrection and the life he said nobody takes my life I lay it down for the ransom for many and Jesus gave his life up. His life mission was to bleed and die and rise again for us so that we can have life. He gave his face when they beat him. He gave his back when they beat him with the cat of nine tails. 39 times ripped his back open. Our Jesus, our father. They put a crown of thorns on him and mocked him. Mocked him by saying, oh, this is the king of the Jews. Put a sign over his head. And Jesus knew all the while, while the enemy was thinking that he had victory, Jesus knew all the while that every drop of blood that hit the ground was paying for you and my victory. There was a hundred guards that were over Jesus' crucifixion. The Bible says that they nailed his hands and his feet. They put the nails actually in his wrist and, and in his heel. And on the cross, the only way that you could breathe is if you lifted up on the nails that was stuck in your hands and feet. Can you imagine with a tattered back? See, people that died on the cross, they died not because of a lack of blood, but because they suffocated. Because they had to lift up to just breathe. And they, there, we see the excruciating pain of Jesus. This word excruciating comes from the word crucify. We see Jesus in agony and the person on the right and left, the reason, the way that they killed him, they would break their legs. They would break their legs so that they would suffocate in minutes, they would die. But how many of you know that scripture said that not one bone would be broken in Jesus? 
he fulfilled scripture perfectly. And the Bible says when they got to him, they looked at him and realized he was already dead. And just to make sure blood and water, they speared his side and blood and water came out. Recent studies show that blood and water, when it gushes out a heart, it comes from a burst heart. Jesus was rejected from the Father and had a birth, burst heart, became sin for us so that we can always have a relationship with the Father. Who can separate us from the love of God? Height can't, depth can't, demons can't. Nothing can separate us from the love of God because Jesus paid it all. They took his body, threw him in a grave. It was a rich man's grave that was also prophesied in the Old Testament. Threw him in the grave, put a, put a stone over the grave. They say it weighed around two tons. And not only that, but they mortared the grave. So it was stuck. It was going nowhere. I think it's interesting because the guards were so afraid of Jesus rising from the dead or somebody taking them that, that they actually guarded the tomb so that nobody can, could come around. When Jesus rose from the dead, it's documented even outside of the Bible that the religious rulers paid off people to say that they took his body. How many of you know it doesn't even matter if they tried to pay off anybody because he was already dead? And that's not why people believed. See, Mary runs to the tomb, and the tomb, the stone was rolled away. She sees two angels, and he, she, they say, who are you looking for? Looking for Jesus. And they said, he has risen. He's not here. She turns around. She bumps into Jesus. She doesn't recognize him. He says, don't touch me. I still have to ascend. She runs back and he, she tells the crew. See, at this point, at this point, everybody was bummed out. Nobody believed Jesus was the Messiah. Why? Because he didn't raise from the dead. They thought he was dead. The disciples, the believers thought he was dead. All the while, for three days, do you know what he was doing? Between the cross and the resurrection, do you know what he did? He, uh, he descended to the gates of hell and took the keys back from the enemy so that we have victory, that we don't have to live in death any longer. He took captivity captive. He wants you to believe that in that burial, he took your captivity captive. Your past is over. It's washed. His voice is evident in your life. And you got to love Jesus because he makes a grand entrance. He starts to come around. The Bible says that he made himself visible to 500 people, not just visible. He sat down and ate with them. You can't get confused with that. He sat down and ate with them, drank with them. Listen, nobody believed in Jesus until he showed back up. Even his disciples were like, I'm going back fishing. But when he showed back up, it shook history. And God wants to show up in your life today. Thomas said, I'm not going to believe it 
unless I see the, the holes in his hands and feet. I don't believe it. And God, you got to love how he does it. He just walks right through a wall with a resurrected body, walks to the wall and shows Thomas, here are the holes in my hands and feet. And he said, I believe. God, I believe, can walk through any wall in your life, any doubt, any disappointment, any fortified wall where you don't believe God. I believe he's going to walk right in and say, here, I'm alive. Do you see it? Do you believe it? Do you know it? Come to me, all that are hungry and thirsty, and I will give you drink. Come on. Jesus is saying, believe in me, and I will give you eternal life. Jesus breathed into his disciples, and then they became saved. See, they couldn't become saved before the cross because they had to believe that he rose from the dead. And God wants you today, if you're here today and you say, you know what, I, I don't really know if I believe. I don't know if I've experienced this power. Do you know how you know if you've experienced the power of God in your life? Do you know how to detect the litmus test of you really experiencing the life of God in your life? Because when you give your life to God genuinely and you believe genuinely, your life is never the same. All old things are passed away and all things become new in your life. You become a new person. Your life is now not drawn to sin. Your life is drawn to Jesus. And when when sin tries to get you knocked down, you have the conviction to throw it away and run after him because you said, I let my life go at the cross. It's buried. And now my life is following after him because he's alive. He's not a figment of your imagination. He's alive. He's here today. I feel him. And if you came here, maybe you came here because somebody invited you. Maybe you came here because you just heard about it. But I can tell you this. God knows that you came here because he wants you to believe in him and have everlasting life. Maybe you've served God, but you fell away. God says, today is the day of salvation. Today. What a beautiful thing to say on Resurrection Sunday, I make a mark in my life to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. If you say today, I want to make that decision, I decide to believe that he is Lord that he rose again and he's alive today. I want to say a prayer with you. This prayer is going to be the most significant prayer you've ever prayed in your life because it's inviting the king of glory into your heart. And if you say this prayer in faith, God is going to change your life forever. Do you believe it? Do you believe it right now? You say, well, he must be very, he must be looking for the people that got it all together. No, the Bible says he seeks to save those that are lost. If you're lost and broken, you're, he's looking at you. He's looking for you. And he's saying, son, daughter, will you believe in me?